and welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Banner Monday, where we begin each week the best way that we know how, and that is by talking IU and Big Ten basketball, which we will do here this week. A couple of quick housekeeping notes off the top. We will have a post-game show Wednesday night after IU-Nebraska, the first-round matchup for the Hoosiers in the Big Ten tournament. And then Thursday night, obviously, will be dependent on what happens Wednesday. So if Indiana beats Nebraska and they play Penn State on Thursday, we'll have a post-game show after that. Uh, if they don't, uh, then we'll have an episode of Assembly Call Radio. But either way, we will have shows for you on Wednesday night, on Thursday night. Uh, and if you're looking for tickets to the Big Ten tournament, to March Madness, assuming that they're going to allow fans to those games, I suppose, uh, <laughs> you can use the uh, the URL iutickets.shop. That'll take you directly to the IU uh, basketball ticket listings. But obviously, once you're there, you can go to SeatGeek and you can look at you know the general uh, March Madness NCAA tournament listings as well. So that URL, iutickets.shop, which will take you there. And then you can use the promo code assembly to get uh, $10 off your first purchase. All right. And now I am pleased to welcome in from the Big Ten Network, from the Sporting News and from Fox, one of the hardest working men in college hoops, the venerable Mike DeCourcy. And Mike, it is over. One of the most intense Big Ten seasons of all times. Three teams tied with six losses for the title. Uh, and only five games separated first place and 11th place. Uh, we're going to talk Big Ten here in a little bit, but let's start with Indiana because obviously their final game had a big impact uh, on that championship race with Wisconsin winning and then tying for uh, for the Big Ten championship. What were you thinking as you watched Indiana collapse down the stretch at home on Saturday uh, yet again? You know, the third time I think they did that at home uh, against the Badgers. Yeah, especially in this case where... Uh you were doing a good job defensively and Wisconsin scored 60 points. They only shot 41 and a half percent from the field. They didn't, they didn't dominate the game. They didn't play great offensively. Certainly they shot well from three and that helped them. Uh, but in that game, there was plenty of opportunity. I mean, in order to lose by four, I believe they made one of their final 15 shots or one of their final 14 shots somewhere in there. And that, that so it's, it's clearly a missed opportunity. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, and I, there were times when I looked on the court and didn't see Rob and wondered why uh, seven assists in 21 minutes in a team that's searching for offense. I'm a little mystified by that. I, I can't, I gotta say, I, I, you know, was it foul trouble? Nope. Only had two. I, I don't. I didn't understand those absences. They weren't. They weren't all constant. But uh, I, I certainly didn't need rest in a game where he played 21 minutes. So I, I was a little puzzled by that. A little disappointed in the way Trace played. That was not his standard game. I, I think that playing against that level of physicality with Micah Potter probably bothered him a little bit. They played big in that game because Indiana, their approach allows Wisconsin to play big. Uh, using the two, you know, whether it's Duran and Trace or or Joey and Trace uh, or even Race and Trace, uh, those those lineups allow Wisconsin to play Micah Potter and Nate Reavers at the same time. And there there are other teams that play a little smaller and and don't have don't allow Wisconsin that kind of uh, op- opportunity to to be able to get both their good big guys out on the floor at the same time. And I think that hurt the Hoosiers, because Potter in particular was really a difference maker. He was outstanding at 14 points, 11 rebounds. That's not often you'll you'll look at the box score and see Nate, these days and see Nate Reavers play 35 and Micah Potter play 29. 
uh, Wisconsin wisely understood that uh, that 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 in the way Indiana sets up was ideal for them to set up in a way that honestly, if they could, I think they do it all the time. Uh, they like their other guys. They like Wall a lot. He's terrific. But if they can play two bigs, especially with as much as Potter and Reavers can switch switch in and out, uh, they'd love to do that. Yeah. How would you rate this regular season for Archie in this third season? Do you consider this a successful regular season? Obviously, you know the the story is still you know, the final chapter is still to be written. But yeah, I mean, I think that it, it. I think it's a step forward without a doubt. I think there there were, you know, there were roster limitations that continued to make the process of turning this into the Indiana basketball program that all the Hoosiers want it to be. Uh, that that held that back that that limited it, and, but I think it's a step forward. I, I do think that uh, a year from now, uh, at that point, he'll pretty much have his guys, and he's got a nice recruiting class coming in, and perhaps, and it could, as as you well know, it could might maybe even be improved without without getting another commitment if uh, if the terrific young point guard decides to reclassify then you get that much deeper and that much more dynamic. So it, it can be a, a significant step forward, even though there have been disappointments about the way that it's played out. As we look uh, toward the Big Ten tournament coming up, what do you expect from Indiana? Obviously, they're come, they're, they have to play in the Wednesday slot. You know, what looks like a good matchup against a Nebraska team that's really been struggling and then a Penn State team that they recently beat and that has been struggling. What do you, what do you think the Hoosiers can do? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, they, I think they're certainly capable of winning both those games, and and I don't, you know, I said last night on BTN uh, on Big Ten and Beyond that I, I still think Penn State's a very good basketball team, but it's your opportunity to make them not be a good basketball team, that to show, you know, to to keep them believing that they're off or down or whatever, and and to not allow them to get back on their feet. Because they certainly, I mean, they lost to Northwestern the other day. And, you know, I watched Purdue beat Northwestern with two good minutes, basically. With 38 not good minutes at all. With 38 minutes that Purdue would never put on, you know, in their highlight reel. And then with two good minutes, they they were able to come back and win that game. Penn State couldn't even manage those two good minutes. I mean, they tied it at halftime in the second half. You know, they were, they were handled. Now, this is a better Northwestern team than it was at the middle of the year. Uh, Pete Nance was very good on Saturday. Uh, they, they've, they've continued to progress. I thought Boo Booey made some really nice plays. I've always been a fan of Miller Cop's play, and he was outstanding. But still, that's not a game that a, a team at, at Penn State's customary level should lose. Uh, and it's, like I said, even playing just a few good minutes, they should be able to find a way to win. And they, and they couldn't find a way to do that. So it, this is a chance for Indiana. They're in a good spot. But they have to take care of business against Nebraska. I don't know what the circumstances will be with Deshaun Burke and Cam Mack. Neither played yesterday. They were sent home from Minnesota, and they had to play that game with basically six guys, and and it was a non-competitive game. So I don't know whether or not they come back and change things for for the Huskers or or not. Uh, but regardless, it's it's still a game that Indiana has to win. I mean, if Indiana loses that game. That could that could very well knock them out of the NCAA tournament. I, I, I have any doubt, having, especially after having done this 
as a, uh, as a, uh, I, I won't say amateur cause I am compensated, but, uh, as a non participating, uh, bracket person, uh, <laughs> non influential bracket person, I guess, whatever you want to call it, non voting member. I don't know. Uh, it's hard and you're looking for reasons to put teams in or take teams out. And if you lose to Nebraska, you're giving the committee a reason to take you out. Just as uh, I, uh, Northern Iowa, which had a really fine season, won the Valley regular season, 14-4, and four, had a nice non-conference performance. And, okay, so they lose in their conference tournament. Yeah, if you lose in the final to a good team like Bradley, nobody's going to hold that against you. You're still in the hunt. You can't lose by 20-plus to Drake, which finished eighth in your league. And so you've gave the, re- the committee a reason to keep you out. Now, I'm not sure whether that'll happen or not, but I'm sure the committee is thinking, you know, we can always reach into the pocket for that one if we're looking for a reason to dis- uh, what we need to do with Northern Iowa. And if uh, the Hoosiers lose to Nebraska, it'll be the same thing. I saw in your latest bracket, that I think you just published before we went live, you had Indiana as an 11 seed, which is a little bit lower than some other bracketologists have Indiana, but that's kind of the range you know, for people who are wondering now where Indiana sits. It's really right around that 10-11 range, which means you're in. You know, you're not a play-in game right now, but boy, you're sitting on the razor's edge if you do lose that Nebraska game. Yes. They were very close to the 10 line, uh, but uh, I, I, with Oklahoma's comeback, uh, again, I believe it was against uh, TCU. Uh, that that was a game that I mean that game could have saved a lot of people because they were way down. They were out. They were gone in that game. I think it was twenty plus in the second half, and Oklahoma's comeback uh, really dis- had to disappoint a lot of teams, whether it's Rutgers or Cincinnati or Xavier or whomever. Uh, and of course, the Hoosiers to a lesser extent. Uh, that game. That game uh, really saved them. And then you look at their resume and you compare it to Indiana's, and it's probably a hair better right now. And others might see it as a hair worse. It's, it's very close. Both are in at this point. And both have multiple teams behind them, minimum four, probably more than that. Uh, so it, in terms of in the field, four, four plus that are, that are behind them. So there's some safety there. But you look at the, the week. I mean, Dayton, I don't think they're going to lose in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Nobody's even come close to them uh, in a month. But if they lose, that's a problem. In Conference USA, excuse me, not Conference USA, the American Conference is almost certain in my mind to be a problem. Right now I have two teams in my bracket. Cincinnati is the la- at one, as one of the last teams in. And Houston, which is pretty firmly an 8-9-ish type team. And they are looking at a, a, a tournament that could be won by a lot of different people. I especially watch out for UConn. They've played great lately and just starting to get it. And they've got some good players and they've got a terrific coach. So you got to watch out for them. Plus they have the hunger of needing, they know there's no at large for them. So they know they need to win the conference tournament to get in. So that's a dangerous team. And there are a few others at East Tennessee state Monday night. I think they're a tournament team win or lose. Obviously, it's much better for everyone, including uh, including the Bucks, if East Tennessee State wins. The only team it's not better for is the the team they face, Wofford, yeah. uh, which was really great a year ago and and is was less so this season, but managed to find their way to the final. So those games are all of great concern to all bubble teams, and 
And, I, you know, I, I would certainly, if I were a Hoosiers fan, I would have a lookout for those games as well. One of the other storylines is obviously with the coronavirus and everybody very concerned about this, we're seeing, you know, sports leagues in other countries play games without people in the arena. The NBA has talked about this. What are you hearing about the Big Ten tournament and possible NCAA tournament, you know, changing what they're doing with fans based on this? Well, I mean, the Big Ten women's tournament just was played uh, over the weekend here in Indianapolis, same venue, uh, same concept, and there was no move to do anything like that. Uh, I'm not aware of any cases. I live in the Indianapolis era, area. I just come back to town, but I'm still not aware of any cases that have been reported in the city of Indianapolis or its immediate environs. Uh, so I don't, and I, and I'm not aware of any plans from the conference to, to change anything. The NCAA has said that as they look at it now, and Danny Gavin, I believe said it on CBS yesterday, that as they look at it now and they're constant, they're in constant, uh, contact with the center for disease control, uh, that they see no, uh, cause for the, for the tournament, for the NCAA tournament to be played, uh, in vacant arenas. So, uh, let's hope that, you know, that, that, it continues to be contained to the level that it is, uh, that it doesn't become a bigger problem and that uh, we can all move forward, not because we need to save March Madness or whatever. Uh, I'm sure that the, that the games will go on regardless. Um, so it's not about that's about, you know, human life and, and health. And, and so I'm not saying I hope that it gets contained. So because I, people need to be at the games. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping people are at the games because it's contained. Yeah. So we mentioned earlier, you know, this Big Ten season came to an end. Just an unbelievable season, incredibly competitive, so many good games. I think we refer to it as a blender a few times uh, on on this show. Um, you know, obviously, it, it'll take some time to kind of get removed from it, to kind of put it all into perspective. But as you look at it right now with it just ending, what do you think are going to be some of your lasting takeaways from this Big Ten season? Well, I, I, honestly, I, I, I'm sure that I've echoed uh, that I've mentioned this before, but I mean, I've been doing this for 30, 33, 34 years, something like that. And, and I covered directly the 1991 big East when seven out of their nine teams made the field, which is still a record for the number of, for the percentage of teams uh, of leagues membership to get in. Uh, I think that was around 78%. If I remember the math correctly. And I certainly in writing for sporting news was very close I lived in Cincinnati at the time to the Big East that put 11 out of 16, the record number of teams into the field from one league, 11 out of 16 in 2011. And what's, what separated this league from any other league in college basketball history was the combination of these two factors, amazingly competitive teams, one through 12 in a 14 team conference and 20 games as a schedule. That's what makes it different. So basically, you get lo- you got locked in the room with 11 other tough guys and you were not permitted an exit until March set March 8th. That's what it was like. And good news, we let you out for 2 days and we put you right back in the room with all the 12 the other 11 tough guys. So that's what it's been like. And, and, I, and I, I don't think people around the country have appreciated that. And what's bothered me about it, Jared, is that, you know, over the past 15 years, and deservedly so, Ken Pomeroy's 
ratings and in statistics have gained significant prominence in the sport of college basketball. Almost at, at times, almost biblical in terms of the acceptance of his rankings and ratings in, in evaluating teams. And yet, with I, I haven't looked lately, with 12 of the top 45 in his rankings easily, I don't know who's lowest. I think Indiana last time I looked was around 41. 12 of the top 41, people will not buy how strong and deep this league is. They won't buy it. I, they, I, I don't understand it. I'm, you know, I'm not hearing it from around the country. All I'm hearing is skepticism. And I don't get that. I, I, it's, it's, it's like they, they complain about the net being somehow tilted and balanced toward the Big Ten uh, because uh, they have similar, uh, they're similar, similarly flattered by the net rankings. I think, I think last time I looked at IU was around 51, maybe something like that. And so it's 12 of the top 50 or 55 or whatever it is. It's still obviously pretty amazing to be in that, in that position. It's 60 actually. Losers are now. And I, you know, I, I just, I don't, I, 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 it bothers me because I'm a, I'm a believer in objective reality. You know, I mean, it's not like, okay, I work for BTN. It's not about that. I mean, like three years, two years ago, when Nebraska, and I sat next to Tim Miles yesterday, uh, all day on, in studio, and he's the best. Uh, but when Nebraska didn't get in at 13 and five, you did not hear one word from me or really one word from any of the BTN analysts saying they got a bad deal. I all felt bad for Tim. I all felt bad for the guys because they were good enough. But the league wasn't very good that year. Didn't, and, and they got the worst possible schedule that they could have gotten. And I remember sitting there in studio on Saturday – uh, excuse me, on a Sunday after they beat the Husker, I mean, the, the Badgers or whomever, and looking at their projected schedule and saying, guys, they don't play in any more NCAA tournament contenders for the whole rest of the year until we get to New York. That's going to hurt the heck out of them. And it did. And, and I, I remember this. I went into the locker room after they played Michigan in the Big Ten quarters that year because they got the double bye, which in a lot of ways didn't help them because they, they had that great record. But kept them out of maybe playing who, who knows Ohio state or whoever. And somebody that would have given them an opportunity to get another quality win. They played Michigan played valiantly. Obviously as a great Michigan team, they won the tournament and went all the way to the final. And, and they, and, and I went in the locker room and it wasn't, I've never been in a more down depressed, just vacant locker room. Every guy in that room knew what happened and nobody was complaining. So I'm not saying because you know, because I have some affiliation to, to the league that this is that this is being overlooked or this is wrong. You know, I, I, it doesn't hurt my feelings. It just bothers me because people aren't accepting the reality. What they're waiting for is for those teams to go out and then they be like only two of them make the Sweet 16. So they all can say, aha, the league was never that good. And that may be what happens. I don't know. And it might happen because they all been beating on each other for three months. I don't know. But I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in the general reaction of fans and media personnel to what they're seeing from this conference this year. Yeah, it's actually it's 11 of the top 30 in Ken Palm and then Indiana's at 40. I mean, that is amazing, amazing depth from the conference this year. So you are you are preaching to the choir with that one. You know, I, 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 I on on beyond last night, um, Tim had mentioned when looking at the bracket as we were getting prepared for the show that he thought that the bottom bracket was tougher. And I think that's where IU is. Mm -hmm. 
half. And I, so I looked at it and I, and I averaged out, presuming it's Minnesota and Indiana that advance. Average Ken Palm ranking of the 12 teams that would remain. Bottom six, the six in the bottom half of the bracket. Average Ken Palm rating, 19. Top half, not as tough. Average rating, 25. Imagine that for a conference tournament. Where else on earth have you ever seen anything like that? Now, Northwestern can go out and spoil it and maybe Nebraska or whatever. But presuming those two teams get forward, there's never been anything like that in the history of college basketball. It's not the 1985 Big East, but it, but it is the most competitive league and the most protracted competition there has ever been in college basketball. And no one can challenge me on that because it's all factual. By the way, speaking of the Nebraska game, do you expect Mac and the other guy? His name escapes me. But uh, those Tayshaun two, Burke. Yes, Burke. Yeah. Do you expect those two guys to play on Wednesday? Uh, we don't know. Uh, we were not given any direction on what would happen moving forward with those two players. Okay. Only that they were uh, suspend, uh, whatever you want to call it, unavailable to play. I don't yeah. know what terminology is. I don't. So I don't. Unavailable to play and not in the city on Saturday in Minneapolis uh, Sunday when they played uh, when they played the Gophers. Okay, so we will just wait to see. From an Indiana perspective, hopefully it doesn't matter. Hopefully you can go out and take care of business anyway. But, you know, it's the Big Ten tournament. We'll take all the help we can get. So Yeah, to be honest with you, you're better off if, it, if they don't play because... Yeah, uh, they're good players. Like playing. Yeah, they're good. And it's not like them playing is going to... Um, oh, if they're available, then it'll be a good win. Because it's not either way. I mean, it's not a good win. Uh, so you might as well, from the Hoosiers perspective, you might as well uh, have an easier game. Yes. It's not good. It's not like people are around the country or the people in the committee room are going to say yes, but those guys were back because they still only won seven or eight or whatever with them. Yep, just just win. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on some of the, the kind of the Big Ten awards as we go through uh, the end of the season here, and let's start with the one that Indiana is actually involved in, and that's freshman of the year. And it seems like it's a two person race. I mean, Franz Wagner obviously had a good year. There were some other good freshmen, but most people's opinion is that it's down between Kofi. Coburn and Trace Jackson Davis. Do you agree with that? And then who are you picking? Yeah, I do agree. And I think that the weekend uh, tilted it in Kofi's favor. Uh, Trace not having a very good game. Kofi doing a really nice job in a matchup with Luca Garza. Luca still scored, as he always does. Uh, but uh, situationally, Kofi did a really good job, including on the final uh, attempt at a, at a game tying basket by Luca. Uh, Kofi was able to reject that shot. He did a really nice job offensively. He was able to produce. I think that'll be end up being the difference between the two. Uh, but Trace had a, a tr- you know not a great weekend, but a tremendous year. Yeah, uh, you're all Big Ten first team. Have you have you put that together yet? Have you announced that? I don't want you to break news here. I if did. it's something you do I, I in did, the BTN. I, and I voted on I vote in the AP uh, version of this, and uh, and I put it on. We put it on BTN last night. Okay. And, it, it includes, it, it consists of uh, Stick Smith of Maryland, uh, Lamar Stevens of Penn State, Cassius Winston of Michigan State. Um, now, you know, I'm trying to remember the other two just off the top of my head. Did you say Garza yet? Uh, Luca Garza, obviously, uh, would be one. And then the fifth is... Oturu, Desunmo, Xavier Tillman. Uh, it's Io, yeah, Io. Okay. Io. So had to leave Daniel off. Really difficult decision. Really difficult. He was tremendous all year. And 
for me, you know, it came down to he and and Lamar Stevens, who did not also did not have a very good last week, 10 days or so. And but still the team was very successful and he was phenomenal for two and a half, nearly three months. Like I said, didn't have a great ending, but even in not ending in great fashion, he was still producing. This wasn't very efficient and he wasn't getting much help from his teammates, but he was out there playing 35, 36 minutes a night and trying to get them home. So ultimately the fact that they won was the difference maker in the two. If, uh, if it happened that by, you know, by chance that uh, the AP came out with six guys because one was a legitimate tie, that'd be cool. I don't believe in stretching it just to, you know, like some, some leagues have like 10, 10 members on their all-conference team. Pac-10 I, does that. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's such a cop-out to me. West Coast Conference has done that in the past. It's just a cop-out. I mean, this, the Sporting News All-America team will come out on Wednesday, and there are 353 Division One teams and probably almost 100 essentially high major programs, and we still get five out of that. It's hard as heck because there's always a lot of great players, but – it, you, that's the way it works. You have to pick somebody. And I, if you're just doing it to, you know, so everybody gets a trophy or whatever, then don't, don't bother. I mean, it's not worth it. Make it a real honor. And the Big Ten has traditionally done that, and I respect the heck out of the league for doing that. And like I said, if it's a legit tie, both teams, you know, two guys get the same total, and we've seen that before, uh, then cool, because all six would certainly be deserving first-teamers. So as I go through this, as I was kind of putting my first team together, every time I do it, I start with Garza, Cassius Winston, Jalen Smith, and the fourth guy for me all the time, because I can't find anybody I think was better, is Xavier Tillman. Why am I wrong on Xavier Tillman, who You're is not. the best defender in the league? He is. Now, he will be – we, we also presented uh, – Tim and I alternated uh, different uh, individual awards, and he was definitely the defensive player of the year, just a phenomenal defender. I think it's what's going to make him an NBA player. I, I he, yep. he, there's no question in my mind he can play at the next level and, and excel. And I don't know about that whole age thing. I wrote an article about it two, three weeks ago around the NBA All Star break. If you're drafting, it doesn't make sense to me to draft a guy who's 18 years old, and if he ever develops, there's a about a 90 percent chance he develops for somebody else and not you. And and rather than draft a guy, you know, is good enough. He's all, you know, I mean, no, I'm not saying, you know, see, because I'm not talking about guys who also are good enough, but happen to be younger. Like if you can get Zion Williamson ahead of Xavier Tillman, be my guest. That's not what I'm talking about. But some of the roll the dice guys that they pick at the end of the rounds. Uh, oh, well, he's 18. He, You never know. Well, if you've watched him play, your job is to know. Come on. So. I, I have no doubt he is a legit pro and he will be a regular in the league. Uh, I think he's a rotation player on good teams. And he just had a kid. Like for all of us who are parents, the fact that, yeah, he's got two kids now. I'm sorry. I'm putting that guy on first team to deal with that <laughs> and be that good. But by the way, breaking news, while we were talking, uh, the, the teams were announced. So it's Garza, Cassius Winston, Jalen Smith, and Lamar Stevens on both teams. Uh, the media went with IO and the coaches went with Anthony Cowan. So there are your all Big Ten teams. Anthony Cowan. Anthony Cowan. Love Anthony Cowan. However, <laughs> the media knows best. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Oh, uh, quick, I know we're bucking up on time here, but what about coach of the year? Because I could probably argue four or five guys, but absolutely. But as I was as I was as I was going through researching this, because I handled that award for the show last night too. I, I actually, I think we both did, but because he picked Greg Gard, and I looked at it and I said, you know what? Here's what Steve Peichel has done. That's so amazing. He has made it seem unamazing of what Rutgers accomplished this year. True. And what I mean by that is that people now look at Rutgers and they see Pike and they say, well, you know, he's really good. You know, what, what do you expect? And they don't remember. When he got there, they had won. I, I, had, I don't have the numbers now. I threw them away. I believe they were 34 and 137 or 43 and 137. I'm pretty sure that's right. 43 and 137 in the previous 10 seasons of conference play, something like that. They had had two 500 seasons in conference play, whether it's Big East, American for a short time, and now the Big Ten. Two 500 seasons in conference play from 1991 until this year. Two. And he turned them into a factor that that was competitive in this league that is possible like or slash likely NCAA tournament team that every single team that played was in a game almost every time because he so he did such an amazing job. People are now saying, well, yeah, you know, I mean, of course they could be, and of course that it's hard to play at the rack and, you know, because, because, you know, it's it, it, what, what's the big deal. And no one remembers they were, they won three league games in two years before he got there. I mean, I, I I I realize what other programs have gone through is above and beyond uh, what anyone should and hopefully would have to go through. I mean, we don't want programs to have to go through what happened at Wisconsin and Michigan no. ever. Um, it happened, uh, and 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 you know, my heart goes out to Cash and and Howard Moore is a is a dear person that I worked with for a short time at BTN and. And I, and my heart aches for him and his, and, and his son on the loss of the, their, uh, of the, of the younger girl and, and his wife, um, just awful. And, but, you know, I, I, I'm just, I, I look at it from a basketball standpoint and what Steve took over and at Rutgers and what he has built. And I, it, it reminds me a little bit of what Calipari did at, UMass, what Mike Montgomery did at Stanford, where he basically just invented a program where, where, where basically it was wasteland and a, what, a 45-year-old story about an undefeated team uh, and a 35, what, a 30, 35-year-old story or 30-year-old story about, you know, Bob Wenzel get, getting two really good teams to the NCAA tournament in 89-91. That's all they had. And he built it from the ground up and he has made them highly competitive in the league. And I think he deserves something for that. I think you could also argue convincingly for Izzo. I think you could argue for Brad Underwood. I've been swayed some toward guard a little bit. I think I would still give it to Izzo if I had to, but I mean, they're all great choices, you know, and it depends on what criteria you look at for the award. I mean, there was some, there's just some great coaching in the league done this year. Are you you telling me in all that I just said, I didn't sell even you. 
I mean, no, no, uh, that's the thing. You did. Every time I hear someone argue for one of these coaches, I'm like, yeah, that guy deserves the award. But then it's you start thinking about the – but that's why the conference was so good, you know, because there yes. was just good coaching all over the place. So it was. It makes it fun to discuss that, even if I have my quibbles with how we do coach of the year. It's still fun to discuss it. Last question for you. Cassius Winston played his last game uh, at home, obviously, his, his last Big Ten regular season game. And it, it's been such a joy to watch him play for four years. And it got me thinking, you know, there are these special seniors that graduate and it feels like they kind of have the admiration and appreciation of the whole conference. Like I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Cassius Winston, you know, and those guys are rare, but they're such a joy to watch. They're like the Big Ten's player as opposed to just Michigan State's player. Now, maybe Michigan fans wouldn't agree with this or Ohio State fans <laughs> wouldn't agree with this, but and you can tell me if I'm being ridiculous, but I, I'm just curious, who were the la- who was the last guy or other guys that graduated with as much kind of universal around the conference appreciation and admiration as Cassius? Well, you know, the first thing I would say is that, you know, you can see similar appreciation, although they weren't as great of players. So I, I think it's, it doesn't quite reach the same level uh, because they, but Lamar Stevens is viewed in a lot the same way. And Xavier Til, Xavier Simpson, excuse me, at Michigan, uh, because of what he's been able to accomplish over the last three years uh, with, you know, with the Wolverines taking them to the final game and, and what Lamar has been able to do in getting Penn state from the deck up to being an NCAA tournament team. Uh, those those kinds of guys kind of fit in the conversation with cash this year in terms of universal respect. I don't think there's any question that uh, league coaches appreciate guys who are senior players that that hang in there for four years and continue to contribute. But I think if I were looking for a player like that, and although he didn't play four years, I think I would look maybe at Victor Oladipo as someone who comes to mind. Yeah. He's the guy my Purdue friends always say is their favorite, their favorite Indiana player. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and there's a couple things. First of all, uh, he didn't have a great four year career. He only played three and the first two years were just basically building up the foundation, but then he was a phenomenal player in his final season, his junior season. And, and, you know, with grace and class and, you know, and all business, And, you know, and I think that he was universally respected throughout the league. And then the second thing about it is, you know, it's been easy, easy for him, not easy, easy, uh, but it's been more convenient for him to reconnect with IU than it would have been if he'd stayed in Oklahoma City or if he'd gone to the Wizards or whoever. But he has. I mean, just because he's here doesn't have to. I mean, he could hang around in whatever big house he lives in. But, you know, he puts himself out there. He drives down to Bloomington to see a big game. You know, he goes to, to he was there, at, I believe, at the um, at the, uh, the, the crossroads. I, I believe he appeared. I mean, he he is he is around when he can be around. And I respect the heck out of that uh, for his eagerness and willingness to be to remain part of IU basketball. And I think that that I think the rest of the league uh, would have the same opinion of him. Uh, Victor's a hard guy not to like. That is a great answer to end on, Mike. Uh, so I think, obviously, the tournament's coming up. We're good to go for next week, and I think we'll keep doing this as long as Indiana has games if you're if you're up for it. So hopefully that's a while. <laughs> but well, we'll... There, are, there are no NCAA tournament games on Monday until the final Monday. Yeah. And if Indiana is still playing then... <laughs> 
<laughs> we got a story if that's if that's happening. What a what a run that would be. Mike DeCorsi, thank you. Enjoy the Big Ten tournament. Hopefully, it is uh, as fascinating and competitive as the regular season was. I have no doubt that it will be. Thanks, Jared. Yep. Take care, Mike. The great Mike DeCorsi, as always, here on Mondays on Banner Monday, giving us insight on Indiana and on the Big Ten Conference. Um, yeah, so let's see. A couple other things that I wanted to mention before we get out here. Uh, if you guys watching live have any questions or anything, let me know. Um, but let's see. Well, we mentioned uh, we'll have the show Wednesday night and then Thursday. And then obviously, look, if Indiana's playing Friday after playing Saturday, we will have postgame shows as long as we go. Ever since we started the show, we have you know been waiting for the challenge of doing three or four postgame shows in a row with, a, with a, a nice Big Ten tournament run. Hasn't happened yet. One of these years it will. It will challenge us and our scheduling and what we can make happen, but we will make it happen and we will love every second of it. So hopefully the Hoosiers can uh, can do that for us, um, you know, and hopefully they're ready to go on Wednesday night. It's a really, really important game uh, for Indiana. It's, it's an important game to win uh, for Indiana. Just find a way to win it. Style points don't really matter. You would hope that against a team like Nebraska that's really, really been struggling, that maybe without two of their best players that Indiana would go out and just, you know, knock their socks off. But... We all know uh, that we need to have humility when it comes to the Big Ten tournament and really any game. So, you know, the goal is just win. And I think if Indiana wins, they get to 20 wins. They avoid bad losses. I will go into selection Sunday absolutely expecting Indiana to be in. I don't think they need to win two to be in. Um, you know, I just I, I can't see that happening based on the respected bracketologist that I look at. So, you know, but I, I do think if they lose that game to Nebraska, as Mike said, it's going to give the committee a reason to keep them out. And, you know, Indiana's got a few blemishes on its resume. You know, the net ranking is not very good. Uh, you know, the, the road record wasn't great, although in comparison to other teams around the bubble, it's, you know, good or, or comparable. But, you know, being able to avoid really bad losses, you know, that is a notch in Indiana's favor. And so hopefully they can maintain that. Um, but yeah, we will be here uh, with a show after that game. Hopefully it's a good one. Chad wants to know, uh, did my daughter's team win? So that's why I missed the, uh, the IU Wisconsin game at the post game show for the IU Wisconsin game. Did they win? Scores weren't really kept. This is three-year-olds playing soccer, three and four-year-olds playing soccer. I've become convinced that it's probably a year too early because there's only a few of them that actually know what's going on, <laughs> you know, that are, like they kind of understand like kicking the soccer ball and learning skills, but the whole concept of like the team sport and going at this goal, going at that goal, not everybody fully understands what's happening there. The other team had a better understanding though. So they definitely wiped the floor with us. It was probably like 22 to nothing. We did not score any goals. I mean, it was bad, but it was really fun watching them all get out there, be a little bit better than the game before. And while my daughter has yet to actually kick the ball uh, in a game, you know she's still kind of struggling to get that part of it down. There were several instances of teammates, you know, getting upset and going and running over to their parents and crying or falling down and getting injured. And she was always the first one over to help them and to be concerned with their well-being. So she may not have you know the attacking and the skills of soccer down yet, but she's showing excellent signs of being a great empathetic teammate, and that makes me as proud as anything. So I was very, very happy to see that because that will be valuable no matter what she does in the future, uh, whether she decides to play soccer or not. So I uh, I was very happy to see that. And hopefully she gets better as we go. Um, let's see. Uh, so there's a debate going on here about whether Rutgers is good. 
in the chat? Am I seeing this correctly? I mean, Rutgers is clearly good this year. Like, they are a good team. They've won home games. Didn't they just... They just won at Purdue, didn't they? I mean, yeah, they won that game. I mean, Rutgers is good. They're not great, but they're a good team. They went 2011-11-9 in one of the best Big Ten conferences of all time. So Rutgers is definitely good. I'm not sure why that's a debate. Um, Let's see. Uh... Let's see, Jerry. I noticed most post game shows you appear to be wearing a button down Hoosiers warm up shirt. Are you also always wearing candy stripe pants as well? Uh, no, I have not been wearing the candy stripe pants. Uh, a, a lot of times I'll wear shorts because I try to get a workout in during the first half. But yeah, I either wear the my the script Indiana shooting shirt over my home field apparel. The, my home field apparel gray long sleeve tee with the script Indiana. That's kind of become my like lucky game shirt. You know, I don't know if it's really lucky because it probably has like a 500 record since I've been wearing it, but I just, it's like part of my uniform. Either were that or my, uh, my Indiana polo shirt and then an assortment of pants. But no, I don't typically wear the candy stripe pants. I will still bust them out for like massive, massive games. Uh, but I kind of try to save those. So I've probably worn them like twice this year, but not typically. So Chad says in the chat, Jared never wears pants. No, occasionally, but you will never know which games that is. Um, and then let's see. How far are they going in the tournament? I, okay. You want my gut? My gut feeling on this right now is I actually, I'm feeling relatively confident that Indiana, I mean, I think they're going to win Wednesday night. I, I certainly think they're going to win Wednesday night. And I like their chances against Penn State. Penn State isn't playing well. I think it's a good matchup for Indiana. I think man for man, you know, we're as good as Penn State. You know, so I would expect to win that game. And I think if they do, you know, now you're playing with house money at that point. Um, so that's that's kind of what I feel. Indiana this year for about the past six weeks has kind of gone in the opposite direction of my gut feeling. So take that for what it's worth. But I just that's kind of how I feel about it based on who we're playing, how we're playing the matchups, all of those things. And I know we haven't played great away from home this year, but we've had a couple of neutral court games and we did well in those games. You know, I mean, obviously we had the collapse late against Notre Dame, but played well for a lot of that game. And, you know, we were able to hang on and win that game. And the Connecticut game was just a, you know, that was just like a street fight type game. And we were able to come out on top. And I think that's good. You know, I think we've got some good memories, some good experience from being in on a neutral court. And I think that's a good thing. So, uh, Joel asked, are we doing an IU women's show? You know, a couple people have asked that. You know, I don't know. Honestly, I'd probably max out the time I can spend on this doing the men's stuff. I mean, I, I guess if Indiana has early exits from tournaments and the women are still playing, then maybe we will. I'd have to find some people who know the women's team better than I do because I just don't know them very well. I don't feel like I could give a very good assessment of their performance. Um, but I know a lot of other people do. And so, look, if we have an opportunity to do that because people have asked, I'll make my best effort to do it. Let's put it that way. Now I don't know how good of an effort that's going to be able to be just because, you know, we we have we prioritize, you know, doing the men's shows and and this tends to be a really busy time of year. But I know that there's a demand for it. They certainly earn it, you know, have earned it because I think they're, a, you know, a fun team to watch and and they've obviously been very successful. So that's where I'll put it and I'll see if there's a way that we can figure it out and if there are some people who can host those shows and so we'll see. That's where that's where I'll put that. I'm not making any promises. But people have asked, and you know, we try our best. You know, especially when our longtime audience members ask us to do something, we try our best to do that. So that's where I'll put that right now, and it'll just have to be on a kind of wait and see type basis. Uh, we uh, Jack wants to know if I'll go to a tournament game or a Big Ten tournament game. Not this year. Um, 
no, not going to be any travel uh, for the Big Ten tournament. You know, it's it's been my long-standing kind of internal debate if and when Indiana makes the next Final Four, do I go or do I stay here to be able to do the the post-game shows for it, you know, and experience the Final Four with all the folks in the chat mob and Andy and Ryan and Coach like we've experienced so many other games for the last nine years, you know? I don't know. I don't think I'll have to make that determination this season, but it'd be great if I did, but we'll... Uh, We'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But that would be the only real uh, debate is if Indiana were to make the Final Four. And while that seems unlikely, again, let's just see what happens because you never know what will happen in the tournament. Uh, Okay, so I guess if the women make the Sweet 16, that would be in Dallas. That would be interesting. I would probably go to that uh, if I was was available. So that'd be interesting. All right, I've got to go. Uh, My daughter's show is about to end that she's watching while we're doing this. So I'm going to go out and see her. Uh, Thanks for being here, everybody. Really appreciate it. Uh, There will be another episode of Podcast on the Brink at some point this week. And then again, we'll talk to you guys Wednesday night and Thursday night either way. So two more shows coming up later this week. And if you haven't listened to the recent Crimson cast, definitely recommend that. Galen and Scott had a really, really good discussion about the Wisconsin game, about what that game meant, about bracketology, all that stuff. Still extremely relevant um, right now as you're listening to this Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning, whenever it is. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to those guys. You probably are already because they've been around so long, but they do a wonderful job. And so go uh, go subscribe to Crimson Cast, and we'll talk to you guys Wednesday after IU Nebraska. See you, everybody. Over the past year, I've helped thousands turn their lives around. And today, I'm going to tell you the one simple trick that will change everything. All you have to do is... And now a message from our sponsor. With Progressive, you can bundle your boat, RV, or other outdoor vehicle for great protection and even more savings. Progressive. And that's it. You'll have that for the rest of your lives. So excited for you. Progressive. There's never a bad time for great protection. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine.